welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. Welcome. So I am really excited about this episode. As our listeners probably know by now, we are all parents of teenagers. And today we're going to talk about a unique task of parenthood. And so it's the ongoing work of really, truly seeing our kids as individual humans apart and independent of us. And so in psychology, we refer to this separation and individuation as like a task in adolescence, like that the adolescent does. And the separation relates to like a reduction in independence on us as parents. And the individuation piece relates to kind of them finding their own individual identity apart from us as parents. But in psychology, we don't really talk too much about what happens for us as parents as we're doing this work, because I think it really is something we do alongside our adolescents. And so we know it's important to nurture independence in our kids, but nurturing that independence and ultimately like respecting and celebrating our kids as individuals separate from us, that really means some growth and development on our end, too. So I've noticed that tending to the parts of myself that are separate from my identity as a mom, like finding my way back to my own identity as Avery, that's been really helpful to me. So doing both, supporting kids to find a them that's not you, and then also finding a you that's not them, that feels like an important kind of two-part process. So what do you guys think about this idea? Have you noticed that coming up for yourself, for your clients, this kind of like almost parallel process? Definitely. And I think at least in our training, there is very much a, a focus on the tasks of the adolescent and what they need to do to individuate. But I don't think there's really a lot of research or information or education about how parents, you know, or just individuals, whether you have children or not, like how you're able to do that, how you're able to stay connected to who you are without losing yourself as time goes by. And I think especially in midlife, now that there is more opportunity for myself, more freedom, opportunity, choice, and all of that, that kind of stuff that I can feel more connected to me and who I am and allow the kids to do their own thing. How about you, Lucy? Yeah, I love, I love thinking about that because, you know, Jamie, as you said, I do think we focus a lot on like the tasks of the teen, but I do think there's this parallel process with parents, right? And at least I found having small children to be like all consuming and somewhat exhausting and like everything is kind of turned upside down. And so it's interesting as they get older, there is a sense of like separateness, like when they need you less and need you differently, you're kind of like freed up to show up differently and to like think about yourself differently and like do a different part of work with this. So I want to go back to what you said about like when they were younger. I think Uh when our kids are little, it is really difficult to not see them as an extension of ourselves. I mean, especially if you have kids, I mean, that you're pregnant with, I mean, they are quite literally not an extension of you. Like they are you, they are part of you. But I think that really, even when they're little, I mean, their behavior really did feel like it reflected on how we were doing as parents. And sometimes that was accurate. Like if we forgot a snack or we're trying to work through a nap or we're pushing past bedtime or whatever, like their behavior was not a good look for us. Like we were doing that. And then also I think we all had that experience where like whatever we were doing kind of modeled for the kids. I mean, that our kids have like copied that. I remember when Wesley was teeny tiny, she was walking along, had like her hand like up to her ear and was pushing the baby carriage. She's like, yeah, that's me working and pushing the baby carriage. Like you got that from somewhere. So like there is that 
blur between like our behavior and their behavior when they're little, without a doubt. Did you guys notice that when your kids were little, like that they felt like kind of an extension of you or even like maybe you felt judged for their behavior when they were tiny? Did you ever feel that way? I still feel that, right? So like if we're out and about and my kids like don't make eye contact or they Mm -hmm. don't speak to someone or they don't say something, like I do sometimes feel like, like, oh my God, I'm like the worst mom ever. Like, what have I not taught them? Or I have somehow failed them. I feel very responsible. It's like my job to fix it. My younger one in particular can be a little more, like she doesn't bite to her, right? She's quick to be like, I hate that person. I hate. And it is, I will tell you like good news. It's softened a little bit this year for whatever reason, but I mean, who knows? It could come back on full force, but that is embarrassing to me where I'm like, she's a total asshole sometimes. And I feel like responsible. Well, that's like, it's a reflection on me that I did yeah. something wrong. Yeah. 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 And I don't know if when they were younger, like I felt that. I do feel that like in certain sort of domains or arenas, like for example, Max is a very joyous child and that also can get him into trouble at school Mm -hmm. because he loves to entertain and he loves to do, you know, well, entertain. That's what he likes to do to his classmates, for the teachers, whatever, but it can be sort of disruptive. And for me growing up, I was not that way. I was very, you know, studious and was valedictorian in my high school and all that kind of stuff. So school was very important to me and I could never, ever imagine acting out in in class or talking back to a teacher or something like that. And I've, you know, and so like, I have to reconcile like that. This is a very different kiddo (laughs) from who I, who I was. And, you know, it's part of his personality and it doesn't necessarily reflect on me because we do have those, you know, we have discussions and all kinds of stuff. And it's funny when we would go to teacher conferences, you know, they would bring stuff up and I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm, we have that conversation at home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, we are well aware. Thank you so much. (laughs) But yeah, I've just really enjoyed seeing who they are becoming Mm -hmm. as they've gotten older. That I've loved tremendously. Yeah. Cause, and I think it's pretty typical or pretty common for parents to have feelings come up when their kid engages in some sort of behavior that's inappropriate, right? right? Like when our kid does something wrong or gets in trouble or like feelings like embarrassment or yeah. shame or sadness, like all those can come up. Like our kid's behavior affects us. Like it still reflects on us. And so even probably when they're adults, it still feels like that. But I've also noticed kind of what you're saying too, Jamie, of like when Wes does something that I cannot do, like Mm -hmm. play, like there are a lot of things that Wes can do that I cannot do. Playing the guitar, crocheting a sweater, that actually really helps me with the separation individuation process because I know it feels good for Wes to excel at something that I can't do. Like that's got to feel good. And it really helps me too because it's like, obviously Avery, that's a separate human. Because you cannot crochet and that one can. (laughs) Like you cannot play the guitar and Wes can. So Mm -hmm. Wes cannot be you. You cannot be Wes because look at that. And like it really does. It's almost like I have no choice but to see Wesley as having a separate identity from me when there are those ways that, you know, skills happen and, and that I haven't necessarily had those skills. I've also noticed like some real differences in the way that our brains work. And this is where I have to say, thank goodness for John, because John and Wesley's brains work very similarly. And I am much more of the like my way or the wrong way kind of mentality. And so I could see myself 
without having a husband like John, kind of deciding that my way to study was the only way to study or deciding that my way to keep track of things was the only way to keep track of things. And that just does not work for Wes. And thank goodness it does not work for John either. It makes it easier for me to say like, yeah, y'all are similar in that way. And that's separate from me. What about you guys? Do those kinds of things come up? You were kind of saying you enjoy seeing that with your kids, like having them develop into these individual yeah, humans. They're, they're very different. I mean, there's absolutely like overlap, you know, between the two of them, like yeah. with their temperament. And there is some overlap with us. I mean, and Max is very similar to Robert. Robert is extremely extroverted. Max is extremely extroverted. I'm not, not really. And Grace, you know, we connect on having downtime and quiet time and sort of doing stuff on our own. And, you know, she and I could be in the same room together and, you know, both be doing different things like her watching something and me reading or something like that. And that's totally cool with us. Like that's, that's fine. But yeah, their temperaments from mine are as they've gotten older, I can, you know, see them coming into themselves. And I, I really enjoy it. I have really liked this time of, of life with the teenage years. I know a lot of people, it freaks parents, it freaks them out or <laughs> scares them or teenage years can't get a bad rap. But I think like you were saying, Avery, seeing my kids do stuff that that I can't do or having interests separate from me, it's a great thing. Because mm-hmm. I don't want little carbon copies of me yeah. running around. How boring is that? Yeah. 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 I think there's maybe a part of me that like has wanted a carbon copy of myself. Like, but I don't think it's been conscious or like something I've been really aware of. And I I feel like I keep getting the same lesson over and over again. So maybe it was like four years ago. It was a while ago. We have these two cats, right? That are brothers. And before them, I had this other like orange cat who was like my heart. Like Max was like the most wonderful cat ever. And then these two that we got, they're different. They're their (laughs) own cats. Right. But I had this moment, like all of a sudden where I'm like, oh my God. I want them to be Max Mm -hmm. and I am continually like sad and disappointed and frustrated that they're not Max. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, Lucy, you have got to let them be orange and crush instead of wanting them to be Max. And I was like, oh my God, I do this everywhere. (laughs) Like where else in my life do I get caught? Right. And like who I want someone to be that then gets in the way of me really accepting and taking in like who they actually are. So I think I've had this like lesson over and over and over again. And I think the tricky part is that has been so like below the surface and, and uncom- like not even like I would have never said like, oh, yes, I want a mini me. But yeah, I kind of do. Mm-hmm. Right. That's my own stuff. Well, and, and also like there's this fantasy that if I had a mini me, I would know better what to do yeah. with X, Y or Z. Like if your brain was just like my brain, I could give you a little bit of like a user's manual, but your brain being different than mine is a little scary because I don't actually know what to do with that. And my plan, my tricks are not working. Right. Yeah. Or even sometimes more painful, like, oh, that is something I know. Like that is something I'm really sorry I gave to you. And that it's like painful. It can be painful sometimes to see those similarities of your kids struggling in the same ways you remember struggling. Well, yeah. I think yeah. even the sense of like, I feel like pleased for the most part with how my life has turned out. Like, I feel like yeah. I've done some good things. Like, so it's my own source of like pride. But this idea that there's this like one path to like lead a good life. And I think I forget that there's like, and I know this, but with my own kids, I forget that there's like this multitude of yeah, ways that right. people can have good lives. And my way is not the only way or the right way, which is another tough lesson. Yeah. And I think too, with that, like having little mini me's, not just knowing what to do, but it's somehow being easier 
for you. Yeah. You know, if you've got, yes. <laughs> if you've got a kiddo who acts like you, that you know where their, you know, where their strengths are and where mm-hmm. the stuff is that they need to work on, that it somehow would be like easier as a parent. You know, I think one of the places where it's come up for me, you know, tremendously is because I was such an academic kiddo and grace is in certain regards, but in other places, no, it's path of least resistance and I don't really want to work at it. And she has two learning differences. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she has a math learning disorder and dyslexia. And so, you know, she can't go about things the same way Mm -hmm. that I did. Mm -hmm. And so we've had to work around that and find the stuff that best fits her. And so that has forced me to not put the pressure on her in academics. And same with Max, you know, uh, he doesn't have any learning disabilities, but he's a different kiddo. And it's so interesting because I feel like our professions, like for me, there's sometimes a split that happens, right? So if I can put on my therapist hat, like I feel like when I'm working with other people's kids or teens, like it's so easy for me to see them as who they are and to not have these like expectations or that they should be academic or not or sell here or there. Like I feel very open and often just like super excited about like what Mm -hmm. I'm seeing and what they're showing me. Right. And so sometimes I think about with that with my kids, like, could I be a little bit more of that like therapist self in terms of, I think as a parent, sometimes we get too much of maybe like a stake in the outcome or a sense of responsibility around it, which for me kind of ties me up a little bit, knots me up rather than frees me up. I feel the same way that when it's another kid, I'm so much more free to kind of see, oh, I wonder how this is going to turn out. Like some wonder, curiosity. And I I think that, well, two big things I will say is I think there's a lot of fear and some grief when your kid becomes different than who you are. Because there is this like, I don't know. I mean, I think there is a fear always of like, is my kid going to be okay? And to your point, Lucy, like we have, I think all would agree that our lives have turned out pretty well. And there is this kind of rigidity of like, okay, my life turned out well, so you must need to do what I've done. Here's the formula. Here's the formula (laughs) for your life to turn out well. And I so badly want your life to turn out well that I'm like that fear and man, nothing makes me more rigid than fear. Right. And then also some grief of like, oh, you know, I thought that we were going to share some of these things in common. I thought that we were both going to be, Wesley also struggles, has dyslexia, but like I thought we were, and, and turns out, Wes probably reads more books now than I do, yeah. but there is initially with that initial diagnosis, yeah. this fear of like, oh my gosh, reading is going to be so hard for you. And it was so easy for me. And that sucks. And I'm just so sorry that that's going to be a struggle. And then over time, you kind of see that like, oh, wow, we were able to go over that or we were able to kind of clear that hurdle. And like, you start to kind of get that faith again. And then some fear comes back. Like it just kind of like, there's some play mm-hmm. back and forth mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So, I've also been noticing lately how important it can be for us as parents to do this like parallel process of individuation. So like when we cultivate our own identities apart from our kids, I feel like when we do that as we're kind of nurturing their independence, it really seems to make a powerful impact to do both. So like I've mentioned Wes and I have been spending a lot of time going through all of our stuff and how in my house, I feel like I've touched everything that belongs to me between moving into the new office and moving out of our house. I think I've touched everything that belongs to me like in the last two months. And so as we've been going through it, Wes is pointing out, she's like, you know, I realize it's hard for me to really think about that you and dad had a life before I was around. And it's gotten some like curiosity. Like one thing that Wes said to us was like, I'm actually thinking that you might've been like, oh, like kind of cool back then. And I'm like, well, thanks, honey. Like we, I mean, I don't know that anybody would have called us that, but like 
we had a life, like we did our things. And so I think there is this just like real curiosity and like what that was like. And and I find with Wes, like it really, it's exciting to think about like a life beyond Wes. Like when we talk about like our book or our badass stuff or our podcast, like that seems exciting. And I, I wonder, I have this, now Wesley is of course an, an only child. So there's part of me that wonders like, does this feel like it almost takes the pressure off that like, I've got other things going. You're not all I think about all the time. Like I almost kind of have this wonder of like, is this some like some good modeling or just like even some like, oh, thank God mom has something else to think about, like some distraction. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you guys notice with that, with either your own kids or clients, like this kind of formulation of your own identity? Yeah. I mean, I think it's extremely helpful for them. I think it's great to be in touch with all the different sides of yourself besides if you have children a parenting role. I mean, because what do you do with that exactly as you move through time and and your kids get older and need you less and less? If I've put all those eggs in that particular basket, it's going to be really hard for me to grapple with who am I and what do I do next later on down the road when the kids don't need me as much. And I, I do think it's a really good model to help show them that there are different aspects of yourself Mm -hmm. and it's great to tend to those different aspects of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think my kids have ever, they've always been really encouraging of it. You know, they'll ask about Mm -hmm. how the badass rebellion stuff is going. They were super excited when I, I chatted about the book you know, I take girls trips generally once a year and, you know, they're never like, oh, you know, like that's so unfair or anything like that. Uh-huh. They're always like, yay, go off because they know how I'm going to be when I get back, which is generally a, a better version, better. a better version of myself. <laughs> Please go take care of yourself. Yeah. Feels so good for all of us. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it is a, it's, it is a really nice model and it's a nice model of like doing things for yourself versus pleasing other people all the time. I think mm-hmm. there's lots of things that it communicates when you invest in yourself and model that for other people. Yeah, for sure. So Lucy, you posed two really powerful questions in a recent broadcast email about just this topic. Like the questions were, can I allow my daughters to be their own people and can I be my own person? Mm-hmm. So can you say more about that? Sure. So just in line with everything we're talking about, I think it's that sense of, and I feel like I've heard other people talk about this. It's probably where I got it. But this idea with our kids, right? So instead of wanting them to become something, like it's mm-hmm. already predetermined, I have a sense right. that I know who they should be. Like, can I, instead of like projecting my own stuff onto them, basically, can I let them be their own people, right? If instead of having to mold them into something or micromanage them or control them, which I'm prone to like maybe pulled to do all those things, can I instead just really look at them and see them, like see and truly understand them for who they are. And it's a totally different shift, right? It's a shift from trying to like control and make sure something happens and, you know, trying to kind of create an outcome. It's a shift to just like being able to watch something unfold and be like the biggest supporter for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. feels a million times better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And I think that it gets tangled with that second question is, can I be my own person is like, I think they go hand in hand, right? If I can't be my own person and if I don't know how to tune in and listen to and trust myself, how in the world can I like help someone else do that? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think the more I do it, like it, it's kind of the modeling sense around it. There's a different language. You have more trust in the whole process. And so the whole system just kind of starts to work differently with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought those were great questions. I had Lucy make a real or a little short movie. <laughs> to put Which is it. always too long. I'm sorry, Jamie. 
have to put it on Instagram, but I thought it was great. I absolutely love that email. I encourage people to sign up for our email list because that one really, like, it really spoke to me. I just enjoyed it so much. And yeah, I mean, I don't think I have too much more to add than to what you've already said, because I think you've just said it so great. What about ideas about kind of like how to do that? So like practical things, like when you notice... So I have some ideas as I'm talking, think about yours too, is like, I think that one thing is probably some like boundaries. Like that's something that's really helpful of being able to say, I'm going to go do this thing because it feels good for me and and to not be so self-sacrificing as a mom, honestly, Mm -hmm. to be able to say, you know, I'm going to do this girl's trip. Yeah. It's going to make me a nicer person when I come home, but that's actually not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because it feels good for me. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to do the badass rebellion stuff because it feels good for me. It's exciting for me to write this. And, and I think that getting back in touch with yourself is such a critical part of that because what's going to feel good for me is not necessarily going to be the thing that feels good for you, but you do know that. You do know what feels good for you. And I think especially as moms, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what feels good for everybody around us. And and some of that's healthy and helpful of like being able to have that intuition of like, oh, my kid kind of has the sick eyes. I think they're kind of sick or I think my kid's not doing so well and I need to tend to them. Like that's a helpful, healthy Instinct. Attribute. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's instinct. I would say mm-hmm. instinct. Absolutely. And it's not turning that off, but I think it's also kind of turning that inward and kind of noticing that about ourselves and kind of when you say allowing ourselves to be our own people too, I think when we do that, when we're kind of feeling excited or that spark or that like, Ooh, I'm feeling really good about this thing. It's kind of easier to see those sparks elsewhere. I think when we're like resentful and angry and tired and spent and like doing everything for everybody that it's almost like, resentful of like, oh, I'm so glad you're happy. Like, I'm so glad you're doing something that makes you feel good. But when we're doing that ourselves, it kind of like, it feels more generous. Like I'm getting what I need. And so I can be more generous externally. What, what about you guys? What have you noticed that either helps you to kind of allow yourself to be your own person or with your kids too? I think for me, the biggest word that keeps coming to my mind is to listen more. Right. And I think in both those relationships, right. So with regards to my kids, I can find myself talking some or like telling them how it is or sharing my opinions or trying to talk them into something. And I am like, after like, just shut up, like, just listen, (laughs) like don't pepper them with a million questions, but ask some good questions and just like create space for them to show Mm -hmm. up more. And Mm -hmm. I think same with myself, like the more I can just tune in and listen, the better. And I think for me, it's sort of the step right before that piece, which is to create space to let that happen. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm overcommitted and overwhelmed, I'm not going to be listening to myself very well. I'm just going to be tired. And then I'm going to end up shutting my kids down. I mean, then I'm going to be tired and I'm not really going to be paying attention to who they are and what their interests and their passions are and all of that kind of stuff. So I think even a step prior to that one, Lucy you know, is giving yourself the space in whatever way that you can, you know, whether that's asking for help, whether that's being really intentional with your time, you know, because if I'm not taking care of like my basic needs, like my sleep, or if I'm hangry, or, you know, if I'm just really overwhelmed and I haven't been able to engage in movement or anything like that, like I'm not going to be curious about anything or anyone, to be honest. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think that that's where it's tough with teenagers because on one hand, they are forming that independence. But on the other hand, they don't have a fully formed frontal lobe. I mean, they need our frontal lobe 
to help keep them safe. There's a reason that 13-year-olds don't live in apartments by themselves. And so the analogy we've been using a lot around our house is like that I'll tell Wes, you know, I'm actually not trying to like wrestle control away from you and drive your bus where I want it to go. I'm just trying to keep your bus from like driving off a cliff. That's all I really want to do is just put enough guardrails off that we don't go tumbling down the mountain. And so we've kind of talked about that. Like, how can I be your navigator or your not try to backseat drive, but like your passenger, like your cautious looker outer. Like, I mean, how can I, how can I help to like use my frontal lobe function to ask the questions of like, Hey, did you think about it this way? Or, Hey, when you're making this decision, let's make sure we don't forget to consider that aspect versus like, I know we're at point A and I know we just got to get to point B and I'm taking us there. And it's, I mean, gosh, it's something I learned. I mean, every minute of every day, it feels like um, that's, that is the learning I am trying to do right now. And as kids get older, we're kind of getting closer and closer to the back of the bus, right? Like trying to be more consultants when they're kind of those young adults. And then maybe even be just not that we're ever friends with our kids. I don't think we're ever friends. We're always going to be their parents, but that we're more consultant or like wise kind of friend, maybe, but not necessarily driving the bus or in control. And that's a tough, that's tough. So a few weeks ago, I had written an email about celebrations and rituals or total and complete lack thereof in midlife. And I mentioned this idea actually and asked the questions like, what if we had a ritual to hold space for each other as we do this, as we attempt to nurture our kids' independence and identity apart from us and cultivate our own identities apart from our kids? So what do you think about that? Any thoughts on like what a good ritual would be for that. I'm kind of thinking of some like, well, one, I think even just having this language and talking about it in groups of friends, I think, especially if you're in a group of moms with kids the same age, it's very tempting to talk about the kids and have that be your identity. I think in Eve Rodsby's book, she would mention like showing up at a preschool and like, you're not Lucy anymore, you're Addison's mom. And like, but kind of trying to separate from that. So like fostering that even in the rituals you already have. But I also, I don't know, I'm kind of playing with this idea and and certainly follow us for more information around this, but like what we could do to kind of really give that ritual. Cause it is, it's a rite of passage, both for the adolescent to become more and more independent, but also for the parent to become the parent of a more and more independent person. So Mm. kind of thinking about what kind of graduation or ritual or rite of passage we might want to do at that. So if any of you listeners are good with rituals or you do anything (laughs) to like mark some of this in your life, let us know. Keep us posted. Yes, absolutely. And if you're not, we've mentioned a couple times today, the emails that we send out, which we just love doing. And they're weekly emails. They come out on Thursdays. They're usually part story, part pearl of wisdom. And I think that you'd really enjoy them if you enjoy our podcast. I think you'd really enjoy them. So you can sign up for those on badassrebellion.com. And you'll also see if you go to the website now, some information about our upcoming offerings. And we'd just love for you to be a part of it. So part of it will be ritual. We're kind of still mm-hmm. like in the working stages of that, but also just kind of holding space for each other as we kind of navigate this part of life. So thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. dot